Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again by Aaron. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, hour two. (laughs) So on yesterday's episode, you teased this a little bit. For your viewing wreck, you said that you finally got to see Sorry to Bother You. Yes. Which, before we dive into that, just want to remind everyone, I interviewed Boots Riley. You did. Creator of Sorry to Bother You. On this show, you should go back and listen to that interview. You should do it. Talk about a bunch of stuff. He talks about sci-fi in a really fascinating way. Great. So, Eric, thoughts? Wow. What a trip. Yeah. What a ride that movie takes you on. Um, can we just, obviously, you know, the entire cast is amazing. Tessa Thompson uh, is a miracle. We don't deserve her. Yep. But can we just appreciate Army Hammer in that fucking movie? I was thinking about that. Army Hammer is so good. He has endeared himself to me so m- I'm sorry to talk about the white actor. Uh-huh. I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> we will circle back in a second yep. and save this segment, I promise you. Um, but I saw Call Me By Your Name and Sorry to Bother You pretty back to back right and i for the longest time i i think i tweeted this at one point i was like dear hollywood stop trying to make army hammer happen uh really I, he was so generic in so many films <laughs> for so long but then recently he started doing really cool movies yeah. uh-huh. and i was like oh no i think he's a good actor and then i saw him interviewed and he's like a human version of a golden retriever like yeah. he is so <laughs> lovable uh-huh. that i was like all right i like you he's I yeah I liked him I uh this probably says a lot about me uh not in a good way but like I really love the movie The Social Network uh I did too yeah, yeah. I I love that movie a lot and I don't like uh Sorkin uh huh um but yeah I really love that movie a lot and he you know he plays the twins in that movie and he's so good mm-hmm. um, yeah that's true he is really good in that but you know who um what's his name stole it for me uh Spider Man uh Andrew Gold. Garfield. Garfield, yeah. Garfield, yeah. He uh, That scene where he blows up at Zuckerberg is good. so good. It's really good. Yeah. I like the movie a lot. Uh, also, the soundtrack. If you guys... You should listen to the soundtrack. Trent it Reznor really and Atticus Ross make amazing movie soundtracks. They do. They're so they good. They make incredible movie soundtracks. I've been like studying their movie soundtracks. Um, obviously, um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who's just blown up because of this movie and Atlanta. Yes. He is so fucking good. Yeah. In, but like in both of those things, he makes such interesting character choices. Mm-hmm. He's such a cool dude. Uh, it really made me laugh. I did not know that <laughs> there were... Can I say it's spoilers? I mean, it's not really... I'll, sp- I'll put spoilers put in spoilers. The, yeah. It's not really an event spoiler so much as it's just like a plot point in the movie. But like, I didn't know that... <laughs> Pat Oswalt and David Cross were voice actors in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so if, <laughs> the if first you, time I heard it, it made me laugh so hard. If you haven't seen the movie, first of all, shame on you. Go see it. Uh, but and also skip this segment uh-huh. and fast forward to the next music cue because there's going to be spoilers. But the premise of the movie is that um, uh, what's his name? Cassius is that yes, his name? Cassius, Cassius. Cassius Green. Cassius Green is broke and he gets a job as a telemarketer Mm -hmm. and uh, Danny Glover is his like mentor at the job and he teaches him to use a white voice Uh to sell more. Right. And his white voice is David Cross. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And uh, is Pat Oswald uh, Danny Glover's voice? No, it's It's, not. It's the guy with the eye patch. Yes. It's like one of the higher One of the the power callers. Yeah, the power callers. The the higher, the higher tier caller. uh, The like his mentor when he gets to be a power caller is, is, I just also love that Boots Riley was like, I need the whitest voices imaginable. <laughs> Get me David Cross uh, and Pat Oswald. And also, <laughs> yes, that they have extremely white voices. <laughs> they have very like distinct white voices. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah. You know what was so good about this movie? I mean, A, it's just a very well done movie. Uh, the sci-fi elements of it are very good. Mm-hmm. It, it really like took me back to like watching old sci-fi movies. Yeah. Like, it does a really great job of that. In like a very surprising, like fun way, mm-hmm. um, but it does a really good job of expl- like the way the main character like really gets into like trying to move up in his job, mm-hmm. and like the way he like goes from being broke to being like I don't know. It just like it felt very real to me the way like uh, he like know, sold out his values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, we were talking uh, last week, I think, about how like 
when I get into a job, like I like not that I like want to become rich, but just like I, I, I become like really ingrained in like doing a good job. You know what I mean? Like wanting to like be good at my job. Mm-hmm. And I think like that the film like explores that a lot of like when he starts like getting a little bit of money from his job, like he becomes like this like really like driven like, it's like a drug. He gets a little bit and he's like, what if I had all of it? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And the way like the money and the power like corrupts you and, and you know, it, it does a really good job exploring that. I mean, I, it's a really ambitious film in terms of it explores concepts of like selling out and using, you know, like code switching and using your white voice. Yeah. Um, even like Tessa Thompson's character who accuses him of selling out. She's an artist and uh-huh. she has this gallery showing and suddenly she has a British accent. Yeah. It's like, you're doing it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really brilliant. I thought it was but really cool. I mean, yeah. there's even critiques of like labor practices and capitalism. Yeah. I, I legitimately got chills during the scene where uh, Stephen Yen uh, is in this movie. He plays, you probably know him as Glenn from The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. He's an awesome actor. He's another guy who I'm, I'm like so glad he's doing these cool indie projects because yeah. he's so talented. But he plays this character Squeeze, who's trying to organize the telemarketers. Right. And when they go on the Wildcat strike, oh, chills, so good. chills! It was so good. It's oh, so well so shot, yeah. and like you're legitimately like anxious. Yeah. Uh, when you know they're about to do it. Uh huh. It's uh, so good. It's um, so good. Yeah, I thought this movie did a better. Like, uh, I mean, that's like, it's a not necessarily like a new like plot point where dealing with like people who you know start becoming successful and like become corrupted and like want to just want to get more money i just thought it did a way better job of exploring that like because you watch a movie like the wolf of wall street and like it's the same thing where like rich guys like it's harder to relate to it's harder to relate to exactly and uh, watching like this movie you it feels more real yeah. even though it's a sci-fi movie like it's still very like the it character felt more feels accessible because like yeah the wolf of wall street storyline is that he starts selling penny stocks right i don't know what that is yeah yeah exactly. telemarketing yeah. i get because right. i've had a telemarketing job yes. i had it for a day and then i quit oh i had mine for two weeks oh wow i didn't last long i was just like I no no that's not true two months i cannot do this um, uh yeah it yeah. was brutal it is brutal and the and the film really um explores that i think in an effective way yeah how you're so intrusive Uh like i love just the visual element of actually physically dropping his Mm -hmm. desk into someone's home when they're like having sex (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) is is really uh effective yeah uh yeah it was it was really good like i said it just it it felt more real and it felt like it explored those points more Mm -hmm. it does it did the thing that i think sci-fi is supposed to do and i think I, I like sci-fi. I really do. Um, I think sometimes it's more, it becomes more about just like world building and just like fantasy worlds as opposed to what I liked about this was uh, what I like about a lot of sci-fi. Like if you read Vonnegut or Philip K. Dick or, or stuff like that is like using fantastical elements to heighten and sort of explore a concept. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, this one deals with like, what do you like? what's the most outrageous version of like a a corporation trying to take advantage of its workers. Yeah. And, and like, and the main character dealing with that. It's interesting because I feel like, uh, and this is again, why sci-fi is so effective. There are certain themes that you just become accustomed to. We're like, we're so we've lived with the concept of capitalists exploiting the labor class for so long right. that it's just our reality. Yeah. If you slightly remove it and put it in a different environment, uh-huh. suddenly the cruelty and absurdity of it is on your radar. Exactly. You're like, whoa, whoa, this is so messed up. And it's like, it's like a slight exaggeration right. of what's actually happening exactly. right now. And I, and I think like we said spoilers, right? We can, we did. We, yeah. yeah. So You're free. Yeah. So what I loved about it was that like, a, it was dealing with this really fantastical element, like if you had, like, of this corporation turning workers into horse people. Right. What I loved about it was the way they did it was like giving them a drug. Yes. And I thought that was such a brilliant, like, thing to do. Where it's like, it, it is ridiculous the idea of turning people into horse people. It's like they do it by giving them a drug, and it's like that's not that different than like giving workers like 
caffeine yeah. to work longer. Or like, I mean, you know? the fact that Amazon is experimenting with like sensors to make sure that right. workers are moving as efficiently, uh-huh. effectively turning them into robots. Yeah, exactly. It's like, not that much of an exaggeration. It sounds right. like it's a huge exaggeration to say, yeah, like turning people into horses so yeah. they're like physically strong enough uh-huh. to do the labor but once you actually break down like what corporations in real life are trying to do to workers is it that much of an exaggeration right, right, like right, if right. a corporation could legally get away with splicing dna to make their workers work more effectively they would do it right and i think he also like there was a great allusion to like one of the things that when when army hammer is like trying to sell cassius on this um like his his second main selling point is that he'll quote unquote have a horse cock oh yeah and i so thought that was i thought it was such a good like it, it's a like uh you know like an appeal to like dumb masculinity sure but then also like the way like that's sort of like how they talked about african slaves Right. During the slave trade. Right. You know, um, and I thought that was a great allusion to like how that was done. True. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just thought it was like, like I said, that to me is like the most effective and my personal favorite form of sci-fi is like just slightly unrealistic things that highlight concepts. And also like we're laughing and it's funny, uh, all that, like the horse cock stuff right. is all very funny. But at the same time, it's like, mm, but he is making a compelling political point exactly. as well. <laughs> that was what, yeah, that's what I loved about the movie so much. Like I said, it's just like using these fantastical elements, humor, stuff like that to really like explore all yeah. these points. Cause like, also, I mean, we've already said spoilers. So at this point yeah. we can just go for it. Uh-huh. At the end, they get him. Yes. He becomes a horse person. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, he thought that, what is it? He thinks he snorted like a placebo or something. He thinks it's cocaine. It's just cocaine. Cause it's supposed to be like, it's this powder that you, you sniff. But then like, he thinks it is, and Army Hammer's like, "No, I wouldn't do that." To right, you. He right, like right. lies yeah, to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then of course at the end it's like, "Yeah, he lied to you, uh-huh, dude." Of course, yeah. Of course he lied to yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, also, we got to give it up for Tessa Thompson's earrings. Oh, it's so just good. amazing. So good. Um. um yeah, I, I, I cannot I, wear them sadly, uh, but she looks great in them. Yeah, she looks great. Um, the whole yeah, I just thought it was such a well done movie. It's such it's so good. Like uh, at doing, and I think like it was really good at doing what it wanted to do. Yeah, and I really loved that Boots celebrated his own history in it. Like all right. of Tessa Thompson's earrings are uh, cool lyrics, right? And that was such a cool additional layer. Like, you could watch Sorry to Bother You and have no knowledge of the coup. Right. Uh, and enjoy it because it's a great film. But totally. if you are familiar with the coup right. watching it, it's like an extra layer of awesomeness. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, ah, yeah. there's all these shout outs. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I just thought, yeah, the, there's so much going on in the movie. And it's just a very well done, like, sci-fi, like, mm. humor, you know, yeah. whatever you want to call it, like, type movie. Um also, go listen to the coup. Man, go listen, listen to Guillotine. To it's a great class war song. Yeah, it's yeah. I love that they use the coup and Superbad in the scene where <laughs> Bill right. Hader's dancing. Yeah, it's so good. that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, any other viewing, reading, listening recommendations? Um, I started watching Shit's Creek because oh people yeah, have been recommending it. To I've me. only seen the first season of Shit's Creek. So I only saw episode one. I'm enjoying it. It's very funny. Right. I I don't have too much to say beyond uh, that's Eugene Levy's son in it, right? It's his real son. He better thank God every day he inherited those eyebrows. Right. That is the greatest gift his father c- could have given him. Can you imagine being Eugene Levy's uh, son and you don't have Having amazing brows? eyebrows? Yeah. Uh, I, I Eugene Levy is a treat a delight oh, to watch on again screen. we don't deserve <laughs> we don't we've done nothing to deserve uh-huh. him. i i think that show is so well done it's so funny to me and like every, I, yeah it's i can't wait uh, to his hear son is very funny like yes. usually i roll my eyes when some famous actor's kid is in their project uh-huh. but truly if i hadn't known that was his son yeah, I'm like, it he's just very funny. funny yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a great show uh, yeah i can't wait to see what you think about it further down mm-hmm. um i haven't really been it's uh, also nice to see Chris Elliott. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, totally. Uh, he's just one of those alt comedy guys who uh-huh. 
I've never heard anything bad about. Right. He just like pops up every once in a while, like a very funny project. I'm like, good for you, Chris. Yeah. Good for you. Totally. Still plugging away. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, I just started reading. Uh, I found I, I went yesterday on my way to work. So I work right next to a very like uh, a, a, a vegan restaurant. Uh, I work right next to one that like uh, champs that we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Oh, you're right by Champs? I'm oh. literally a block away from Rest Champs. Rest in peace. And I was like, this is going to be terrible yeah. for me. <laughs> Luckily, it has worked out to where like, I don't really have time before work to go to Champs. Good. And it's closed <laughs> when I get off work. So I'm like, I was oh, like, oh Eric's going to die. Yeah, yeah. But here's what I didn't anticipate. Here's what I forgot. Uh, so I was like, I don't really have time to go to Champs before work. Oh, can you order? I, c- I could. But here's, wh- here's okay. what I fucked up. I was like, great. And I don't really have a lot of money right now. Sure. So I'm like, great. Uh, you know what? Not going to be a big deal. Yeah. Here's what I forgot. Dunwell Donuts oh, is no. a block away. Even worse. So, because it's cheaper, you yeah. can get in and out of there for like seven bucks and or like, like a couple. No nutritional value. No nutritional value. You can make the argument you could get something at Champs yeah, with yeah, nutritional yeah, value. Exactly. So, uh, that's where I fucked up because then yesterday I got to work like a little early and I was like, I'm going to go get donuts. Uh, but I did find there was just a random bag of books just outside Dunwell Donuts. You found a bag of books? I found a bag of books, so I started going through them. Did found they belong a couple to someone? Was someone just leaving them there for a they little bit? They were just you like in a pile a on the floor. Okay. They were a pile on the ground. I All assumed right. they were being given away. Um, either that or somebody dropped their bag of books and I just stole some of their Yoink. books. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, uh, look, if you live in New York City, you set anything down, it's fair game. Oh, yeah. On the sidewalk, that's absolutely fair game. I've th- yeah. If you said Was anything- it on the sidewalk? Yeah, it was okay. on the sidewalk. I thought uh, I just added that detail. No, no, no. It was, it was just l- it was like a bunch of books just splayed on the sidewalk. Uh, like, yeah, that was fair game. Um, but uh, I found uh, a collection of uh, stories from The Moth. Oh, neat. Looks Very pretty good. Cool. Just started it. Good stuff in there. I got to go to The Moth. I always think about going to the moth. It's always sold out. And I was like, I don't want to wait in a line. Like, Yeah, but we wait in a line for like ASCAD and stuff. Just yeah. to do it once. Yeah. I feel like I should do. Yeah. I've, uh, I've thought about trying to do the moth. Yeah. The, my, the thing that sucks about the moth is that there's no way to guarantee you'll get on. Sure. Because you have to basically buy a ticket to the show and then you put your name in a bucket and they draw 10. Yeah. So there's no way to be like, I'm definitely doing this. There's other storytelling shows. Thought but about so doing. like I would I'd listen to people tell stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would go. I just like it, the thought of like if I was like really like I definitely want to do this, not knowing what there you're are on or other not. storytelling shows in New York you could yeah, do exactly. that you definitely right, get right, right. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's for the prestige of having said exactly. I did the moth. Well, it's like a competition, which is cool because I, I yeah. my dumb like testosterone brain is like mm, I'm gonna competition. win I'm gonna fucking <laughs> yeah, win storytelling exactly. yeah like, what <laughs> that's oh, I think about that all the time like there's like improv competitions and I'm like oh you mean cage match cage that match? I got so into yes. and I, like it doesn't mean anything <laughs> but I got very into uh-huh. it uh-huh yeah. uh but yeah uh but that book's pretty good uh it seems pretty cool so far I haven't really doing much I've been re-watching all I just, I'm like so close to finish I just rewatched all of Friends I'm so close to finishing that like to the point where I was like in the middle of season uh, there's nine seasons I'm in the middle of season nine or Mm -hmm. season yeah season nine and uh I was like like there's so much there's so much friends and like I was like told Faith that it's like I don't even want to watch this anymore but I'm so close to finishing I feel like I have to finish it what's your okay let me ask you this what's the worst episode of friends and what's the best episode of friends episode god that's tough I think, mm, what's the worst episode? I mean, the best, my favorite episode, I have two favorite episodes of Friends. Okay. One of them I know you hate. Is it the, where they're getting ready to Uh go to Ross's thing? I'll say this about that episode. Ross ruins that episode. But Chandler and Joey are hilarious in that episode. Well, I think, I don't think Ross ruins the episode. I think Mm -hmm. the episode is good. I think Ross, that is when... Ross, like, is out as being like a monster. That's what I mean. He re- like I can't watch it because it's so uncomfortable. Like when he's screaming but at her. That's the thing. It's it, uh, we have this conversation a little bit on the Harry Potter bonus mm-hmm. episode. I think he's good at being a manipulative monster. Yeah, I just don't want to watch it. Yeah, that's fair. You know, that's I'm fair. like I, I I I get that. I actually really like David Schwimmer. I think he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
the character is such a monster that I right. I That's don't. fair. That's totally and I don't, fair. Honestly, I don't think it's deliberate. I don't think they're like we are cultivating the greatest villain of television. No, 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 <laughs> right no. Now. I don't think he was meant to be a villain. I do think he represents what was like a quote unquote, like mainstream. I was th- I've been thinking about this a lot. Yeah. With, with in regard to Friends. I think he represents what was culturally acceptable in the 90s. For sure. As like well, a even, masculine male. Uh, we've talked about this before. Like even uh, Joey and There's so and much Chandler, like gay panic jokes. The, every there's, episode they know homo each other like three times. There's so much of that. And even the women do it to them. Oh, Phoebe does it. Yes. Phoebe's supposed to be this harmless, like ethereal, hippy dippy character. Yeah. She makes tons of gay jokes about Chandler. Yep. Yeah. They they constantly do it. There's so much like gay panic in the episodes. Oh, um, uh... In my opinion, the best episode is the one where um, they are doing the game to uh, get the apartment. the apartment. That's my other favorite. Oh. That, those are the. T- that's my other. That's that my rapid fire scene. Yeah. Of, it, oh, it's the writing. So that's my good. favorite. The acting yeah. so good. That's my favorite. I, I'd say that's my favorite. The one where nobody's ready is my second favorite. Just because, like, I like the yes, like Ross is a monster in that episode, but I I like the drama between him and Rachel because mm-hmm. I think she does a very good like reaction to it. Um, and then like Joey and Chandler are very funny in that episode with their like battling over a chair that it saves it for me yeah like that b storyline yeah that yeah. that that is so good um i don't know i can't i can't think of like a, a, an episode that i think is particularly bad i, I think there. are oh okay great i think i will say this i think there are a lot of episodes in the latter half of the series that are just nothing we might be talking about the same thing because I would say any episode with a flashback is the worst episode. Yeah, clip episodes. If flashback they have Monica episodes. in a fat suit, yeah. I'm out. Like, because there's oh. tons of fat shaming stuff, but it's just not good. That specifically, I'll say yes. Not not necessarily like re- like clip shows, like retrospectives, but the any any of the quote unquote what it was like before Friends episodes, I think are terrible. It's a bunch of like. 80s jokes yeah. that are not funny uh-huh. and it's like these older actors like and they're trying to make them look younger so they just like style them in a really stupid way yeah i think like uh i think yeah i i think like all those episodes are bad i think most like at least half of the episodes in like i'd say maybe starting in like season five or six all the way up to the end of the series have the episodes just do nothing yeah like, i think at that just, point they were just like spitting their they're just wheels. Like about nothing um also something i noticed and this may be not friend specific but like sitcom specific um and it just like shows the gap between like what cable used to be like and now is like binge watching the show which i've done before but binge watching friends has really highlighted like there are like whole arcs that i can clearly remember like characters like side characters or plot arcs that last that stick out in my mind that as like big plot points, they're like two or three episodes. Right. Because at that point that would be like a month of television. Right. Sure. Yeah. But like now it's like, Oh, that it happens so it's fast. Barely a blip. Everything happens so fast. Cause well, it's, even like, like they so underuse Paul Rudd in that show. Oh yeah. That's He's where like, I'm at right now is Paul. Rudd. Not in the show for that long. Yeah. Uh, anyways, guys, I truly did not think we would talk about friends this long, (laughs) but speaking of Ross, here's your bad news. (laughs) Let's talk about the midterms. Oh boy. And specifically how the GOP has gotten super racist i mean more so than usual they're just being more out about it now. they're very great isn't that weird that trump's president and now they feel like they have the cover to be more outspoken Uh about their racism isn't that such a weird coincidence everybody steve king is just thriving oh we're gonna get to him in a second (laughs) he he couldn't be happier (laughs) right now he is really Uh really thriving so the huffington post is keeping a running list of racist attacks on candidates of color um, so there's this guy, <clears throat> Brian Kelsey, and what is this from? This he is just from sounds like a big dweeb. Tennessee. He is a big dweeb. Uh, he is running for state senate. Great. He's a Republican, and they sent out a mailer, and it says Brian Kelsey's family has called Shelby's County home for seven generation. He's from here. He's one of us. <sighs> mm. Wow. 
Mm. Okay. Uh, so he's running against Gabby Salin- Salinas, who is obviously an immigrant woman of color. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the, he's right. one of us. Um, there's this guy, uh, U.S. Representative Pete Olson, who's running against uh, Shri Preston uh, Kulkarni, who's a Democratic candidate for Texas's 22nd Congressional District. Olson called Kulkarni a liberal Indo-American who is a carpetbagger and wondered if his funding is coming from overseas. Uh, so just a little historical recap. During the post-Civil War Reconstruction, carpet carpetbaggers were Northerners who moved to the South to get wealthy or acquire political power. Today, it's seen as a slur for opportunistic candidates seeking election in areas where they lack a local connection. Right. Yeah. So there's also uh, Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Cleefish who's mm-hmm. running against Medella Barnes, Barnes, who's a Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor. Uh, Cleefish falsely accused him of kneeling during the national anthem while attending the opening of the Wisconsin State Fair. What? She didn't see him kneeling herself, and he denies that it happened. <laughs> so, so she just assumed because he's like a minority person that he kneeled during the anthem? Yes, correct. Didn't see it, just assumed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Deb Halland is a Democrat candidate for New Mexico's first congressional district um, and is running against former state representative Janice Arnold Jones. Arnold Jones suggested in an interview that Halland isn't really Native American because she didn't grow up on a reservation. Quote, what? <laughs> well, there's no doubt that her lineage is Laguna, but she's a military brat just like I am. And so, long pause, you know, it evokes images that she was raised on a reservation. She belongs to a Pueblo. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you did that. You did that right now during the interview. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh Stacey Abrams is a Democratic candidate for governor of Georgia. A photoshopped image shows Abrams holding a sign that declares her a communist who supports the Muslim Brotherhood. She's standing next to Palestinian-American activist Linda Sarsour, who's wearing a hijab. The real photo was taken at a rally marking the one-year anniversary of the Women's March. And the sign they're holding reads simply, Stacey Abrams and governor. Wow. That's just a, more evidence that people will fall for like any Photoshop oh, job. Oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, it's amazing how many people still don't know that you can easily manipulate images on the internet. Oh, my God, yeah. So Andy Kim's a Democrat running for New Jersey's third congressional district. A mailer targeting Kim features a caption saying, there's something real fishy about Andy Kim, along with a photo of whole fish on ice. The words real fishy and Andy Kim are rendered in chop suey font. No. Yeah. What? Yep. I mean, it's that blatant now. It's that blatant. Not to say that it ever wasn't that blatant, but again, I feel like they, the Republicans, are particularly emboldened at this time. Uh, are we going to talk about the uh, the minstrel show radio ad? Oh wait, I don't know. I thought you retweeted it. I, oh, the, wait, maybe the I- radio ad that has like supposedly two black women talking about <gasps> how the oh oh yeah 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 um i forget the details uh, uh, radio ad black women yeah it's like these cartoonish oh yeah it's it was arkansas right yes okay so uh fuck you i'm not yes i'm using an ad blocker i don't apologize <laughs> for it so a republican candidate uh, Representative French Hill ran a radio ad, uh, which was paid for a conservative group called Black Americans for the President's Agenda. So mm. I guess they officially ran it. Right. Uh, featuring two women, clearly meant to be caricatures of Black women, and like I highly encourage you guys to go listen to it. You should listen to it. It is. It's so offensive. Yeah. Uh, speaking with racist tropes to explain their vote for House candidate French Hill. One of the women in the ad warns that based on the Democrats' support of Christine Blasey Ford in her accusations against Brett Kavanaugh, 
Black voters should be worried about white women making false accusations of sexual assault against black men and being believed. Yeah, so basically the the, the ad is supposedly two black women talking about how because um, Democrats uh, uh, did not support Brett Kavanaugh uh, and then evoking basically... Emmett, they didn't say Emmett Till, but basically lynchings, lynchings like yeah. basically invoking the story of Emmett Till to say that they they say that outright. So yeah. uh, this is a quote from one of the women. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence, no corroboration and all of her uh, witnesses, including her best friends, say it didn't happen. What will happen to our husbands, our fathers or our sons when a white girl lies on them? The other woman responds, girl, white Democrats will be lynching black folk again. Oh, yeah, that's the ad. Also, uh, uh, I just saw a recent interview where he said uh, they're going to keep it on the air. Well, this article says that he backpedaled a little bit. Oh, really? Uh, So this came out October 19th. It says that he's trying to distance himself from a radio ad, the radio ad. Um, So let me see if there's an update to it. Boo, boo, boo. Yeah. Well, the group that ran Oh, maybe it was the PAC that... The co-founder of the PAC told CNN that the group planned to continue to run the ad until next week. Okay, okay. Quote, the Me Too movement overreached and the biggest threat with switching the presumption of innocence to the presumption of guilt is to black men. Wow. Yeah. Like, the fact that, first of all, they think that black people will buy that they give a shit about them. Right. I think is hilarious. It's, yeah, it's, yeah absolutely hilarious yeah uh so we teased this so we should probably talk about it representative steve king i just love that anytime he is um a white nationalist motherfucker sorry i didn't mean to (laughs) i was trying to get penny to jump on the floor and she just dove into eric's lap yeah um people continue to express surprise that steve king (laughs) steve king's a Nazi. He's been a full white nationalist for a while. For a while. So he was like the guy who's super outspoken about it when other Republicans didn't feel safe to be outspoken about it. And they were like, damn, Steve King's outspoken about being a white nationalist. So he went full white nationalist in an interview with an Austrian site. Hmm. Um, What would the Austrians know about white (laughs) nationalism? (laughs) I don't know. He gave an extensive interview to a far-right publication... Uh, in which he spelled out in clearer and more shocking terms than he ever has before his white nationalist worldview. Um, so it was published in September, but it came to Huffington Post's attention this week. In his conversation, King discussed his belief in the superiority of European culture over others. He talked fearfully of falling fertility rates in the West and spoke at length about his belief that Europe and America are threatened by Muslim and Latino immigration. Quote, if we don't defend Western civilization, then we will become subjugated by the people who are the enemies of faith, the enemies of justice. Uh, brown people. Brown people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, A. Oh, he got into abortion, too, of course. Oh, great. The U.S. subtracts from its population a million of our babies in the form of abortion. We add to our population approximately 1.8 million of somebody else's babies. Jesus. Wow. Um, Killing all the good babies. Right. Oh, God. Um, well, uh, I mean, obviously, Steve King's a monster. He has been sure. for a long time. Yes. Uh, nobody should be surprised uh, Also, by, by the way, I know this interview is shocking to some people but he has said this stuff for years yeah he's been saying this for he said it on national television in america Mm -hmm. um the same stuff about western civilization about you know white nationalism things like that um i do think one thing that should be taken away from this interview is that uh the language that he uses that people are shocked by is the same language used by like the proud boys yes uh so I, i think like that's one thing that if you're shocked by what Steve King says here, you should just remember that a lot of like right wing groups say the same things right. about like Western civilization and, you know, and, and stuff like that. That's it's the same language for sure. Uh, so, yeah. So speaking of voting and the midterms, 
Uh, Ari Berman, if you don't follow him, you should. Yeah. On Twitter, he has for years been covering voter disenfranchisement and uh, vote rigging by the GOP. Right. So he posted this article at Kansas.com about how there is a, um, a community in, in Kansas, um, in Dodge City, where Latinos now make up 60% of the population. Uh, and there was one voting place and they closed down. And now they moved uh, like out of town. <laughs> what? Yeah. So the city, which is located 160 miles west of Wichita, has only one polling site for its 27,000 residents. What? Since 2002, the lone site was at the Civic Center, just blocks from the local country club in the wealthy white part of town. For this November's election, local officials have moved it outside the city limits to a facility more than a mile from the nearest bus stop. And they're citing road construction. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. But it's 60% Latino. I mean, have you ever seen pictures of, like, a polling place when, like, a few hundred people show Mm -hmm. up to vote? It's chaos. Let alone 27,000 people now trying to... And, like, it's a total coincidence, right, that it's now 60% Latino and they did this bullshit? Right. And especially, like, Kansas, which is GOP-controlled, has been working to disenfranchise voters right exactly aggressively like so aggressively that some of their efforts were thrown out in court because it was so blatantly profiling oh well like uh the famous one was in north carolina Mm -hmm. uh where like literally in the like uh explanation for like uh when they ended uh early like sunday voting like early voting um it was like expressly said that the reason that they were ending uh, or Sunday voting was because the majority of people that Sunday vote were black people. Yeah, which was like a bridge too far for uh-huh. the courts. The courts were like, hey, hey, you can't explicitly say you're doing this because it hurts black people. Right, right, right. You got to be a little more clever with it. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court decided we no longer need the Voting Rights Act. Right. Which is basically the same thing. They just didn't overtly say. Exactly, yeah. And now there's all these stories coming out of like, I forget exactly where, but like there's been a couple stories in the past week of like, there's like backlogs of like unprocessed voter registrations. So people are registering to vote and they just can't get registered to vote. Yep. And the fact that we claim that we have free and fair elections is a joke. It's a joke. It's truly a joke. joke. And anytime we criticize some regime, like when Putin rigs an election, he gets like a 90% approval rating and we're all laughing about it. It's like, maybe we should look at our own elections. Yeah. There's so much going on. Like uh, voter registrations. I mean, in Alabama, uh, my old home state, they like, closed down like 20 some odd like voter registration pl- like, and a lot like of it ID is because places. like budget cuts they're like oh we don't have right. the money to keep them open it's like cool we definitely have the money to keep them <laughs> right, open yeah, we're yeah. choosing not to allocate those funds right because uh, it's where black people vote exactly um, and uh, yeah there's just you know constantly stuff like that even some of the legal stuff like I mean voter ID is a big one but just like stuff that's even accepted like the fact that like uh, uh, convicted felons can't vote. Well, like, yeah, you, like, I I keep harping on this, but if you are listening and you live in Florida, there is going to be a proposition yeah. vote where felons would get their their voting rights back. Yeah. Again, once you've served your time, you're done. That it's absurd that you are suddenly like not a citizen right. because you went to jail. Right. Um. Yeah. That that should be uh, overturned in all fifty states. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and yes. that's one of the ones that like people accept. Yes. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's like, oh well, if you went to prison, you clearly did something wrong. Right. I think more people now understand that for communities of color, it is really easy to go to prison and not to be like a heinous individual. Right. 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 It's exactly. just that the cops are monitoring you twenty four seven. Right. And looking for you, maybe not even to slip up. Exactly. They'll just grab you for no fucking reason and right. throw you in jail. Um, so I think more people understand that now, which makes it extra absurd to learn that they lose their vote because it's for like life. for life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it, you know, and it's just all these things in, in, you know, in tandem are just so, so bad. Like in terms of, and people wonder why the vote, like the voter turnout is bad. It's cause like people don't believe in the system. 
they don't believe in the system, but it's also like they're disillusioned by the political parties, which right. I get. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I don't like telling people how to vote. I just encourage that you, you do you vote. You should vote, yeah. You should vote. And also, I as I get older, I think more in terms of who would I rather um, petition for change. Right. Not There's never going to be a perfect candidate, right? Like, even no. candidates that I'm excited about. Right. Like, Cortez has said a bunch of stupid shit I don't agree yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd rather petition someone like Cortez. Right than trump yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. or like elizabeth warren i'd rather petition elizabeth warren for change than donald trump of course, for change yeah, yeah, yeah. i disagree with a lot about uh what elizabeth warren says and right. does and but uh yeah and vastly prefer her yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah so also guys i just want to encourage you all to get your flu shot did you know that uh 80, americans die of uh died of the flu last winter that was more than the number killed in traffic collisions from gun violence or from the opioid overdoses uh that's insane yeah and you know it's not perfect obviously i think it only has like a 30 percent effectiveness but 30 percent effectiveness uh when there's an influenza is a big fucking deal. It also depends on like what strain is dominant. Yeah, of course. If it's like th- it's like one, two, or three, uh-huh. and I think one is supposed to be dominant this season, which is actually good because yeah. it's the the one that I think has like sixty percent effectiveness right. for the flu shot. Right. So that'll save the most people. But I think yeah, a lot of people don't really realize how serious the flu is. They don't know because uh, like I mean, if you go to like a drugs, this is maybe a weird point, but like if you go to a drugstore. Like, if you go to a pharmacy, you'll see, like, medicines that are, like, you know, Tylenol, cold and flu. And you're like, okay, it's like a cold, you know, just with different symptoms. But, like, it's serious. It's very serious. And to give you an example of how serious it can be, Vox has been doing really good coverage of the flu. Uh, A century ago, the Spanish flu killed more than 50 million people. That is a, a single event that killed more Americans than obviously 9-11, but also World War One or World War Two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's I think, I- unbelievable. I think, uh, you know, we talk about climate change is the most pressing issue, like, in humanity, and it is. And I think, but in the same way, like, public health is a very underrated topic. Oh, yeah. Like, these diseases just sweep through, and, like, like the way, and, like, there's a lot of stories now about, like, certain uh bacteria that are becoming resistant to drugs mm-hmm. uh not good no especially it, like for example in here in new york city we live on top of each other yeah if a if an, a flu rips through new york city like there's a reason you guys have been listening to the show for a while when one of us gets the flu suddenly everybody yeah. has the flu uh-huh. because we live in very close proximity to each other right. everyone will get mm-hmm. it uh and like for example the the spanish flu it killed one out of every 20 humans alive. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's insane. And I think it's just far enough removed where we forget stuff like yeah. that happens. Mm-hmm. And also, we've obviously made a lot of gains in in medical um, response and technology where probably it wouldn't tear through the population quite like that. Well, yeah, just like for so... I think for so many people, it's like the majority of people's lived experience is like, you get sick, you take a medicine, you get better. Yeah. Or, or you get laid up for two weeks with the flu right, and then you, you're you young, you yeah. can get through it. That's yeah. what happens to most people with most illnesses. Right. It's like something happens, you'll get a medicine, but it's like there's a very real possibility in the future there are going to be like strains of the flu, mm-hmm. strains of certain viruses that are not that don't take to drugs. Well, you heard about uh, there's this weird, uh, like, it's like polio yeah. that oh, popped yeah, up yeah, in the yeah. Midwest. Yes. Uh, and it's affecting children, and they don't fucking know what it is. They but don't know what it is. All of a sudden, they're like, these kids' limbs are paralyzed. I can't think of anything more terrifying to me right now than the idea of getting an illness that doctors don't know how to treat. Like, they don't know what Have to do. Have you ever had a doctor do that where you, like, show them a rash or something and they take a picture of it? And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck's going on right uh, now? I don't think so. Okay. Not that I remember. That happened to me. I had a rash on my arm a couple of years ago. And my doctor went, huh, I'll take a photo of this. And I was like, what? I had, I did get something one time that pe- they, she wasn't 100% sure what was causing it, but kind of knew how to treat it. Mm-hmm. I think I got cat scratch fever. 
right? We talked about yeah, this before, I, uh, and I laugh every time. Yeah, I, I, a cat scratched my face, and then I got full body hives, Oof. literally from head to toe. Jesus. Full body hives. And I went to, like, a walk-in clinic, and she was just like, um, well, I don't know, but take the i think i took like benadryl she's yeah. like just take the benadryl and it'll go away and it did yeah and like that's I, a lot of like skin stuff like <laughs> i eventually went to a dermatologist who was like i'm just gonna give you anti-inflammatory <laughs> yeah. stuff and it'll probably go away and uh-huh. it did yeah. but he like was like i don't know what it <laughs> yeah. is or how you got it <laughs> right i was just like great awesome <laughs> um yeah i mean like i think public like you should don't become one of those people that like uh like i can tend to do to myself like read myself into a panic oh like, yeah i mean truly but, there's nothing you can do beyond get the flu shot right but i think public health is a very interesting topic that you should read about that i think just because it doesn't affect a lot of people you people just go throughout their lives and don't think about it but like it's very real like like these strains of viruses and stuff that like go through like it's very like a real thing and like yeah. i think you should at least be up on it like right. you should read about it and like i said like actually knowing that the flu kills eighty thousand people just last year is yeah. bananas and that's like good news right it would have killed more people yes. had we not had right. you know the the vaccines um or the the flu shots so guys speaking of scientific achievement speaking of flu shots here's your good news <laughs> gotta talk about this little girl the tease this is a tease i teased this on yesterday's episode this little girl in sweden who pulled a 1500 year old sword out of a lake look at the photo of her she's so cute i should have gone swimming more when i was in sweden (laughs) (laughs) so uh, the guardian published a column written by her awesome about her experience pulling the sword out of the lake and there are just so many quote worthy moments in this article i wanted to highlight a few of them i'll link to the full column at our lipson page we are light trees and news that's where you can find all of the articles i talk about on the show so uh, she talks about how she went swimming in the lake uh that i'm not even going to try to pronounce any of these swedish names because i don't want to offend anyone uh on july 15th she talks about i was playing on the beach with my friend when daddy told me to get a buoy from the cabin. He said the water level in the lake was very shallow and we had to warn any boats that might come along because it was very dangerous. He said it had been the hottest summer for 260 years. So she writes, I waded into the water and it was very soft on my skin and refreshing. A little bit cool, but not too cold. It was a nice feeling because the sun was shining and I was very hot. Daddy was begging me to rush so he could watch the World Cup final, yeah. but I like to take my time about things, so I ignored him. <laughs> wow. What awesome. a queen. What a queen. Oh, let me get her name. So her name is Saga. Is that her name? Wow. Saga Vanek? Uh, no. Vanakek. Saga Vanakek. Gotcha. What a name. Anyway. What a name. So she writes, I was crawling along the bottom of the lake on my arms and knees looking for stones to skim when my hand and knee felt something long and hard buried in the clay and sand. I pulled it out and saw that it was different from the sticks or rocks I usually find. One end had a point and the other had a handle. So I pointed it up to the sky, put my other hand on my hip and called out, Daddy, I found a sword. <laughs> I felt like a warrior, but Daddy said I looked like Pippi Longstocking. Wow. The sword felt rough and hard and I got some icky sticky brown stuff on my hands it started to bend and daddy splashed up to me and said i should let him hold it it was my sword and now he was taking it away exclamation point (laughs) i gave it to him in the end uh so then she talks about she uh, ran to her mom and her grandma and told them about what happened they show it to an archaeologist uh she said she had goosebumps and that it was at least a thousand years old actually they now think it's 1500 years old from before the vikings 
uh, she called it sensational and said nothing like this had ever been found in Scandinavia before and that maybe I had found it because of the low water levels. She made me promise not to tell anyone because she and other archaeologists wanted to see if there was anything else buried in the lake. They didn't want anyone else to come and take the treasures. So they end up searching the lake. Uh, they find like a couple other things. They found a coin from the 18th century. Wow. They found a brooch that they say is as old as the sword. Um, so she writes, I had to give the sword to the local museum. Daddy explained that it's part of history and important to share it with others. I felt boo that it's gone away, <laughs> but yay that other people will get to see it. I'm going to try to raise some money to make a replica sword that I can keep. Awesome. Um, then this is the ending and I love it so much. People on the internet are saying I am the queen of Sweden because in the legend of King Arthur, he was given a sword by a lady in a lake and that meant he would become king. I am not a lady. I'm only eight, but it's true. I found a sword in the lake. I wouldn't mind being queen for a day, but when I grow up, I want to be a vet or an actor in Paris. <laughs> now, whenever I go swimming in the lake, I will be looking to see what I can find. It feels like that lake might be a little bit magic. On that day, I felt a little bit magic, too. Aww. Oh, I love her so much. I was, uh, just, I was just looking at a map. I think I drove by this lake. Did you? <laughs> <I think so. laughs> well, you could have found a fucking sword. I stopped. If you weren't such a pill about yeah. it. Uh, so Saga's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Sega? Saga? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. This is why I don't <laughs> try to pronounce <laughs> Swedish words at all. But she's the best. I love so much the part about, like, yeah, maybe I'd be a queen for a day. But I really want to be a vet yeah. or, an, or actor an actor in, in Paris. Paris. Yeah. So I hope specific. Like, I hope like some museum or something like makes her a replica sword. Well, I think there is actually uh, like a fund for it. Let's see. She probably already raised the money. Wherever like wherever that sword ends up, I hope they give her something. Uh, yeah. So there's a $10,000 goal. She's pretty close. And she's at $8,000. I hope like... Man, if I if you're like the museum that gets that sword, like I feel like she should be able to come in and like touch it whenever she wants. <laughs> well, like it was scary to hear her talk about like it was bending yeah. because it was so old. Or right. I was like, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> uh, it it's very it's too old to hold. It but belongs in a museum. <laughs> uh, so cool though. I just love every once in a while. There's a story that just. Uh, it like sinks in how cool the world is. Yeah, you find a fifteen hundred year old sword. That's dope. That's sick. That's really yeah, cool. That's really cool. History is neat. Yeah. So I also wanted to shout out the guy who confronted Mitch McConnell at this restaurant. Wow, he looks like such a fucking dork. Oh, he's so gross. Wearing his dumb plaid with his vest or some some bullshit. <laughs> so this is a report from TMZ. Um, McConnell was at this restaurant and this guy walks up to him. I don't think they've identified the guy yet. Uh, he slammed his fist down on Mitch McConnell's table uh, and he was like shouting at him like, why don't you get out of here? Why don't you uh, leave the entire country? <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, the issue was that um, according to TMZ, um, this guy was pissed about Mitch McConnell and the GOP's effort to dismantle health care and Social Security, and he accused Mitch McConnell of killing people, which is accurate. Yeah. Just an accurate assessment of what's happening right now. I so he was yelling, why don't you get out of here? Why don't you leave the entire country? Slams his fist down. Then he grabs a doggy bag of food that Mitch was on Mitch McConnell's table and threw the food <laughs> out the door of the restaurant. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in case you didn't know this weird bit of nepotism or, or cronyism, Mitch McConnell was sitting with his wife. Do you know whose wife is? Uh, I don't remember, but I know it's somebody. Prominent, yeah. Right? She's transportation secretary, Elaine right. Cho. Yeah. 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 So they're married. Um, gross. Um, I, I think if there is any justice, which there's not, but <laughs> cool, I think Mitch McConnell will go down as one of the worst human beings of our modern era. He definitely should. I think he has been kind of under the radar because his job is not like 
sexy. Mm. He's not like the president. Are you saying Mitch McConnell's not sexy? Oh, Mitch McConnell is sexy. His <laughs> his, his job, job is not sexy. Bored. Yeah, he is smoking hot. Look at that neck. I mean, <laughs> just look at. I it. like how there's a just like a wall of skin between <laughs> his chin and his chest. Yeah, not like a neck per right, se. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I th- like he is behind the scenes orchestrated so much destruction in the united states and the world and the world that it is like it is not like he's one of those people like yes he has killed people and ruined millions of people's lives Mm -hmm. Uh, like millions of people are worse off because of mitch mcconnell he just threatened to dismantle not just obamacare but medicare social security Stuff that truly, if it's dismantled, will kill millions of people. Yeah. He, if he wasn't a politician, he would be recognized as like a homicidal maniac. Right, right, right. But because he happens to be a politician, it's like, well, we have to be civil when we see him in public. No, we fucking don't. No. We don't have to be civil when we see him in public. Absolutely You can tell him he's killing people because he is killing people. Yeah, yeah. You should do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like it's... Honestly, the fact that he can go in public at all is a shame. Like, like yeah. he should be run out of everywhere. I forget who tweeted it. I apologize. But someone tweeted that civility, quote unquote, is code for obedience. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, the people calling for, quote unquote, civility right now have no problem dismantling programs that millions of people rely on to live. Right. That should be considered uncivil. Right, exactly. That's just politics, though. Right, right, exactly. That's always been my big issue. It's like... Yeah. It's a problem to yell at somebody, but not a problem to, like, kill someone. Right. You know, uh, like, that's uncivil. Right. Um, Nobody who works for the Trump administration should be able to eat in public. Right. Also, it can't be understated that, like, people feel emboldened to do things when they don't suffer consequences of their actions. Right. Like, one of the reasons, like, a reason that these people, like, the thing about civility is that, like, when these people are able to go about their normal lives, like they don't they don't put two and two together like whatever they do in congress or whatever they do in politics like if they don't suffer consequences for it they're just like yeah that's what i do mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they feel emboldened to do it because yeah. they they don't mm-hmm. suffer for it so like and the gop is relying on the fact that you will be obedient yeah where they're like we can do these things in the the privacy of congress and then move through public life with no consequences because we've conditioned you to be civil right you don't have to do that. You can do what this guy did. If you see any GOP or in public, tell them they're fucking killing people. Yeah. And throw their food out of the fresh That was so funny. That's so funny. I love how many like food related stories uh-huh. like Sarah Huckabee Sanders having to like run out of the restaurant. But like Stephen Miller throwing out the sushi because yeah, yeah, yeah. the dude gave him double middle right. fingers. Uh, just keep it going, guys. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Especially as we get closer to the midterms. Right. They shouldn't feel that they can be in public. Exactly. Because they should. I mean... Anybody else who is r- responsible for ruining millions of lives, jeopardizing people's lives, would not feel like they could be in public without consequences. Yeah, it's like, it, this would be like, the whole civility conversation would be like, if you saw, like, if people were upset because somebody got mad at, like, Bernie Madoff. Uh-huh. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you saw Bernie Madoff in public and you yelled at him, nobody would be like, hey, you need to be civil. Be civil, to, yeah. Like, yeah. No. Like that's, He stole enough rich people's money where right. they're like, fuck this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean... Uh, guys, I, I've said this before, but the GOP should be thankful people are just yelling at them. Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. Like, you guys should be grateful that's what it is. Because, again, you're trying to kill millions of people when you got these these uh, earned benefit programs like Medicare and Social Security. People work their whole lives to get Social Security payments. Right. You're stealing from them. Also, like, I... I, yeah, maybe Chomsky has said this before, but it's something I've thought about for a long time. Like, like the the welfare state, like the quote unquote welfare, welfare state, state, like yeah. like the like you know the social services that we give people um, is pretty much the only thing that's keeping like guillotines from being built. Oh, and it's keeping capitalism going, right? It's like, the only thing that props it up. If you are a fan of capitalism, you should love entitlement programs. Yeah. Because that's the only reason that there aren't mass uprisings. Yeah, because yeah. without those things, p- 
people will start to starve, and then that's when the riots happen. Right, that's exactly. That's like when the guillotines they come out. They storm the Bastille. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like That's the only thing that's propping up the whole system is redistribution. Yeah. And if I honestly think they're... God, we're in the good news section, guys. I, I honestly think I they're... I think guillotines are good news. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, we got the guillotine. Uh-huh. Uh, go listen to that song, The Coup. It's so yeah. good. So I honestly think their gamble is by the time the uprisings will happen, we can retreat to our gated communities or maybe by then our colony on Mars. Yeah. It's got to have to be a colony on Mars (laughs) because gated communities are not going to hold anyone. That's true. Guys, I think that's a good note to end on. Please follow Eric on Twitter at Eric E-R-E-K underscore Smith. (laughs) Please follow Light Trees and News everywhere. Twitter, Instagram. I noticed more of you liking the posts over there. Thank you so much. And yeah, guys, thank you for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. 